Thank you, Jesus. And as you're seated, if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, we are going to begin there this morning. In Jesus' name. I believe that this is a lesson that ties into what we spoke about Wednesday night and um, various places and things like that. And so I felt that it would be good to, to bring it forward. I felt that it, it was of God in, in Jesus' name. I do briefly, the, the scenery there just reminded me that this afternoon we potentially are going to get some snow. I'm, I'm believing it's going to happen after church in Jesus' name. However, if you ever feel that you cannot make it to church, please make sure that you are safe. If you cannot make it to church, you can't make it to church. We understand that completely, so don't feel that you have to go out and, and uh, put on your snow boots and your, your snowshoes and your skis and all that just to make it to church. If you want to, you, you absolutely can, but please don't feel that that is required to do that in Jesus' name. So um, we, we will see what happens and go from there, and we're believing that that snow is going to be very minor and it's going to disappear very quickly Jesus' name. At least I am. So maybe, maybe some others are not. Awesome. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God of the Father, or be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And I know that some of you are standing, and I will let you be seated, and I thank you for standing for the, the reading of the word um, in Jesus' name. But there's a scripture here that he's speaking about this. He's saying, blessed is this God who is over us, and he has given us spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I'm very thankful that he has came down to meet every single one of us, and to give us spiritual blessings are things that will go beyond what we could provide ourselves. And verse 4 goes on to say, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So a, a very cool word there is chosen us, that he has sought us out or that he has chosen us before the, the formation of all of these things here. It begins to make you feel a little bit more wanted or needed inside of this world and, and that sort of thing. It, it's kind of a cool scripture in that sense. But then it goes on to say, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Basically meaning that Jesus came down here and did some incredible things for us so that we could find God and we were no longer separated from him by sin. And it says, to the praise and glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of of his grace. Is anybody thankful for his redemption this morning and what he has done as a result of dying on the cross for every single one of us? It's an incredible thing when you begin to think about that. And if you continue reading here, it says, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be the praise of his glory who, is, who first trusted in Christ." 
These scriptures here are incredible because they begin to give us something that shows us that there, there, there's a, a part of us that God is reaching out to or wanting to speak to or wanting to give something to. These scriptures here begin to make us feel wanted or needed, as I said earlier, and they begin to make us think that we have a purpose or a potential on this earth and that God is kind of forming his Bible in the world around us as human beings here and that sort of thing. But even though that is all exciting and, and very great, I, I have kind of a message to bring to you. In the beginning part, you may be taken back just a little bit by what I'm about to say, and I hope it doesn't take you back too far that you leave, but you have to stick with me to understand this. God does not need us. God does not need us at all. And we, we read these scriptures here and we see these things of all these great things that God is doing, but in all reality, God does not need us. In the beginning part of this message this morning, I'm going to explain to you why God does not need us. But the great thing is that God may not need us, but he definitely wants us in Jesus' name. God may not need us, but he definitely wants us to be in his presence here, worshiping him and, and being with him and feeling his presence and seeing his greatness in all different ways. And, and so we have this purpose and this ability in our lives because of his desire to see us move forward. However, he does not need us. And so some people ask this question of why or what was God doing before he created the world and why would he create this world? There's an explanation out there that God was dwelling in, in the, the, the universe or whatever you would call it. I don't even know what you would call it because the universe is inside of God. But God was hanging out out there and God began to become lonely by himself. And that God was lonely there and he became so lonely and depressed and desperate that he decided to create mankind as a result of trying to fill that void inside of his life. And, and we as humans maybe can explain that a little bit more because of our flesh and the things that we go through. We, we have that desperation sometimes. We, we have that ingrained in us to have people around us, to have somebody there who is speaking to us. Science proves it, the Bible proves it, and, and God has spoken that to us, that we are meant to have people around us of like-minded faith. And so for us to understand who this God is or what his mindset is, even though he doesn't have a carnal mind like us, but to understand what, what he is and his desires for this world and creation, it's very tough for us to understand it because we have our ways as human beings in this world. But God at that particular point was, was there, and it wasn't because he had this longing loneliness in us that he decided to begin to form the world in, in creation. But he decided that because he wanted us to be alive with him. God does not need you. He does not need you. He doesn't need me and he doesn't need anyone or anything inside of this world. And in fact, he doesn't need the world at all or any of the creation inside of it to be the God that he is of this environment around us. He is not a needy God. And I understand that at the beginning here, you're kind of maybe a little bit thinking, man, well, this sounds pretty rough. This God sounds a little crazy out here. I know when I first was beginning to, to form this, I was thinking, man, I hope this beginning part doesn't begin to shut people down and cause them to have a hatred towards God or a dislike towards him. But, but believe me, you will understand and you will really like this when, when we get towards the bottom here because God does not need us. And there's a good thing that God does not need us, but we'll talk about that in just a second. But he is not a needy God. And it is not as if he was bored or twiddling his thumbs, desperately lonely before he decided to create the world. But there was not a need for him there. He is not dependent on the world 
for his existence, nor is he dependent on the world for his happiness and his self-fulfillment. None of those things are dependent upon us or who we are or us coming to church and those things. That, that, that isn't who our God is, but our God is much larger than that. Inside of him dwells life in and of itself. It dwells inside of him, and he is the fullness of life in and of himself. Everything that is around us, every breath that is spoken, every tree that was created, the stars we see in the night sky, the heavens above us, all of that dwells inside of our God who is up there and believing. In, and not only that, but he is down here dwelling amongst us. But believe me, he does not need the nice night sky to be the God of all creation that is around us. He does not need the nice mountain scenery that we snap photos of or the beautiful sunsets to be the God that he is because he is God. He is God. He is the one and the only, the big and the mighty God. He's the one that is there. So he himself has all of this life that dwells inside of him alone. And because life dwells in and of himself alone, he can begin to create people like you and I in Jesus' name. He can begin to create the creatures and the things that are around us, the trees that begin to grow and the magnificence that we see around us that science tries to understand, but they just can't seem to get past certain places because they're not going to be able to. It's impossible to be able to be who God is as a humankind. We never will be able to be who God is. But God is God. And God does not have a need for you and I. He must be self-existent, self-sufficient. And it is because God is the life in and of himself that there can be no sense in which he is caused by another. You see, this begins to show us something pretty important. That if God himself has no need for anything else, and he is self-sufficient and self-sustaining himself, then that means that he cannot be influenced by any sort of outside force or things that begin to come against him. It begins to show us why God is so powerful to instantly begin to heal and cure and deliver and take care of things inside of people's lives because God is not influenced by these other things that are outside of that. Certainly we can pray and, and, and he will see our emotion. And he will see what's going on. And those things certainly can draw on his heartstrings. But those things, because he is God, do not completely pull or sway his decision in what it is there I'm thankful for a God that is that way because there's environments that, that, that right now I'm working in an environment that is so political that you step over here and you get one answer and then you step over here and you get a complete answer and nobody wants to walk on the red tape that is there because nobody wants to upset anybody or hurt anybody's feelings or get in the way or that sort of stuff. I'm thankful that we have a God that is not like that, but he, because he is God overall and he is not dependent on his creation or the things around him, he can make decisions that are always sure and always true and that the truth of this word, even though it was created 6,000 years ago, that it's still alive and it is well today and it is not wavering. There is not a difference of how you will be saved or how to be baptized or how to receive his Holy Ghost, but it's there just as much as it was 6,000 years ago. That spirit is in of us just as much as it was that far ago and it's because he does not have a need for those things that are outside of him but he is God of the universe I'm thankful that he is that powerful God I'm thankful that he is this king of the world because if we serve something else it would be just wishy-washy and wavy we, we wouldn't know what the answer is going to be tomorrow we'd be second-guessing ourselves all the time even inside of human leadership, we, we, we struggle with that sometimes. That what is the will of God for our lives? What does he want for us to do? 
But when we seek him out, he truly is going to hold true to this scripture and the doctrines that are there. So even though he doesn't have a need for us, he wants us, but it is a good thing that he doesn't have a need for us. Because if he did, we could completely sway his decision one way or another. There is a difference in nature between the creator and the creature. The former having life in and of himself and the latter deriving life from the one who is life. Our breath, everything that we have derives from him. And we one day go to the grave and we pass away and we come out of that and we're alive and we're well inside of him. The resurrection, as we spoke about last Wednesday, it's only going to be because he decided to put that deep down inside of our world and our lives in Jesus' name. And I'm thankful that there wasn't some mad scientist that created me or, or decided to do all of these crazy things to, to cause me to be formed in this world. But it is God, somebody who loves me. We are born into this world totally dependent and finite in every way. And our existence is derived from our mother and our father. And if we are to continue living, the God of the universe must begin to sustain us. There must begin to put life and breath inside of every single one of our steps. Because if he decides not to do that, then we are no longer alive. We are no longer living or have the ability to be alive inside of this world. And so we are dependent on not only our earthly father, but also our heavenly father as well. Our nature, our very existence are contingent upon him every, in every single way. And we have a world around us who tries to shut that idea down, that they decide that, man, we don't want to have a part of that God that is there. There's this quote that I read while I was doing some research for this, and, and maybe some of you will know this quote, but it says this, the irony, that is that, the irony is that while God doesn't need us but still wants us, we desperately need God but don't really want him some of the time. The irony is that while God doesn't need us, but still wants us, we desperately need God, but don't really want him some of the time. It's a sad fact of what is going on inside of the world around us, that there are people who are desperately crying out and in need for God, but yet they don't understand that just because they're living in the world doesn't mean that the world revolves around them. You have all probably heard that phrase before. But just this last week, I was sitting across a table from a young lady inside of the school, and, and the, her phone had been taken by a teacher, and so we were having a discussion with her about why she was so upset that her phone had been taken. And almost instantly, you know, most of us that, that didn't have cell phones all through our younger age, we think, well, you know, you're just being a spoiled brat, like get, get rid of your phone and that sort of stuff and be good to go. But no, I began to find out as I began to speak to this young lady that there was some vitally important information on that phone. Because she, she began to cry and weep as she sat across this table from me. And she began to say, my parents are going through a divorce right now. And this thing is nasty. And my parents are using me as the token between one and the other to get back at the other person. She says, one will let me run track, but then the other one will pull me out of track because they don't want that one to be able to say that I can be in track. They said, one will provide me food, but the other one will pull the food from me because they don't want the other one to have that ability that is there. She was weeping across the table with a desperate need for something more than what her parents were around her, something that was much larger than that, that was not swayed by people around and mankind and those things that were there. It was a desperate cry and a plea for the God that is there in Jesus' name. 
Just before that, I spoke to a young man who was sitting across the table, and, and he was bummed because he was so highly addicted to marijuana at his age that he just could not break free from it. He just could not get away from it. It was what he felt was his need or his desperation in his life to keep him going or moving forward or taking steps and things like that. These children are crying out. And I'm thankful that some of them, because of your students reaching out to them, are inside of our youth group now. I'm thankful that some of them have the ability to see the God that we see and, and the desire that he has. But we make an entire huge mistake if we think that everything in our life is the reason that God does what he does. Or we make a huge mistake that we think because we come to church, God does what he does. That that's not the way that it works, but God wants to be here. He desires to be here. And we must show up to meet him and to seek him out and to bring him down into our, our lives and into the places that are around us in Jesus' name. There is nothing that says that you have to go to heaven or that you have to make it to these places. It's all something that is our decision and something that we must begin to come up with because God does not have a need for us to be there with him. And I'm speaking that because there's, there's things that we have to begin to do, steps we have to begin to take in order to, to seek that God out. He wants a relationship with us, but he doesn't have a need for us. And so if there's no need for us, then that means that we must begin to, to step out and reach out to him because he wants us. He wants to see good things in our lives. He wants to see that miraculous occur here. And yes, it takes us showing up for those things to happen, but it doesn't mean that it absolutely has to happen. God could say, no, it's not going to happen. But it takes us reaching out and saying, God, I have come here, not because you need me, but because I want you, Jesus. I desire you. I need to have a part of you. That's why, why we come to church and we seek him. And so we're dependent on him. We, we're dependent on who he is. And his nature is not at all like our nature. He's incapable of being measured by the same standards as our human existence. So sometimes we struggle with that. And if we're honest and real as human beings, we think, well, why can this happen and, and not this sort of thing? You know what? Why? We, we question some of these things that God does. But ultimately, he can't be measured the same way that we are measured. If we begin to measure God, we begin to limit him. He is not dependent on something or someone else to continue being or to continue in existence. You don't have to fuel him up every day to keep him running or keep him going. And he is created out of nothing. And I know that that just blows our mind. And I, I, I guess I wouldn't even say that he's created. I, I have no clue how he existed at the beginning. He just was, is what the scripture tells us. He just was. He was there. He was around and, and you could say he's alive, but again, that's a human phrase that we use because we are alive at certain points. But God, he's just there. He was. He just was. This is the God that we serve. And only one who has no beginning or cause to his own existence can bring the world into existence out of nothing. Only one that has that power, only one who has that understanding or that ability would be able to bring a world into existence like ours and make it run so nicely and so smoothly. Existence around us, it's grounded in him alone. And that does not mean that he created himself or caused himself to be, but that he is alone. He is, he is in Jesus' name. And so what other attributes must follow this God that we have here. And I want to give you some attributes of God and who he is this morning. And, and, and that way I, I can hopefully help you show that he doesn't have a need for us, but he desperately wants a relationship with you. 
that he doesn't have a need for you. And I know that that makes us think that we're like, well, you know, I'll walk away. I don't want to be his friend anymore. But no, but he wants to be your friend. He wants to be about you. And that's the coolest thing ever is that he, even though he doesn't have a need, he has a want for us. It's the same thing that our friendships around us. Doesn't it feel good when you have a friend who comes up to you and is just your friend because they want to be your friend? Not because you can do something good or not because you can work on their vehicle or do this trick for them or that trick for them or whatever that sort of thing. Doesn't it feel good to just have a friend that is there that, that wants to be with you? That's God. That, that he has no need to be with us, but he wants to be with us. That's better than a friend that, that desires and says, well, you know, I need all this sort of stuff before you, before I'll ever be your friend and be around you. No, God says, you come and you show up. You lift your hands up and I'll be right there with you. you in those times of desperation inside of your household or your job or, or, or these other things going on, I'll be there beside you. I, I don't need anything from you, just that you, you, you reach out and then you take those steps there. Jesus name that's an incredible thing that we think about he wants that inside of our lives he desires that from us in Jesus name so what are some attributes that must follow this God who is all creative well God is self-sufficient and so he is also self-divine meaning he is the one and the only a God who is self-existent cannot receive his deity from anything or anyone outside of himself. But as we have spoken this morning already, he is God of all of the universe. And that is so incredible because that means that you and I this morning have a chance to tap into the God of the universe. That he can do many miracles in, in, in just a, a simple short snap of the fingers in Jesus' name. We'll play a video tonight of the, the 7,000 that, that Pastor Carnahan spoke about in India receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you will be able to see it on that video. Just boom, and the Holy Ghost begins to fall. 7,000 people in an instant. Only God, who is the God of the universe, could do that in Jesus' name. I came to church this morning, and I was setting up the music, and I was here inside of this place and and for whatever reason after I got done with the computer I began to, to, to just have this dizziness overwhelm me and I am not a person that gets dizzy I was having trouble walking I was having trouble walking around the church and it was just pouring down on me I had no clue what was going on and I said God you have to take this this morning because this service will need to go forward not because of me but because I want you to be in the lives of people around God. What if there's somebody that's desperate for you this morning? God, this has to go forward inside of this place. Not saying that I'm something important, but, but, but when I went to the prayer room, when I began to pray about it, I walked out of the prayer room, and I'm walking around up here just fine. The dizziness is now gone. It is not there anymore at any point in time, but it's only God who is a deity above us that can begin to remove those things or take care of them for his work to be done in Jesus' name. And when we begin to do his work and take his steps and let his Holy Ghost fall and let the prayer begin to come across this room, then we begin to see that he wants us and he, he wants to work inside of our lives in Jesus' name. So he's a self-divine God. And he's also a God that is self-wise. If others could inform God on what was wise or what wise choices he should make, then he would be less than a perfect or less than perfect in wisdom. And we, we must be careful with this here because we see it on the scale of the President of the United States. 
that he is there and you have all of these news media agencies, I don't care what party it is or whatever it may be, that say, well, he did this right, he did this wrong, that's right, this is wrong. And they're constantly saying these things about him. So he has to have all of these counselors around him to try to help him make the right decision as the president of the United States. But still, he makes mistakes wrong at different points in time. But as human beings, there are people that come and they attack and they attack and they say, well, this one's right, but that one's wrong. God, this one's good, but that's cruel. And these things here. But what we have to understand is that because God is self-wise, because he is the one who counsels himself or he speaks to himself about these things, because he understands them and knows what is going on in life, we don't have to worry about a disaster coming from the things that God has done in Jesus' name. We don't have to worry about things just completely turning upside down in our lives but because of God. He, he will do it for the better of us or for the good, but we don't have to worry about him just coming down here and completely messing up. It's not our counsel that begins to lead him or takes him to the, the things that he needs to be in, in Jesus' name. But it is his counsel in him alone. He is also self-virtuous. And if he received his virtue from another, then he could not be perfectly moral, for he who increases in virtue cannot be the very standard of morality or what it is. You can begin to see in this one why God speaks to us so many times to draw close unto him or why he asks us to get certain things in order inside of our lives because he is not somebody who is 50-50 or back and forth or somebody who has a little bit of evil inside of him but the rest is good. No, he's the 100% moral God. He's the, the one that is totally encompassing morality of itself and what we should be doing as human beings. And, and we will never achieve that. We will never be able to achieve that with the flesh that we have upon us. But we absolutely can draw closer to him by trying to, to, to be more moral inside of our lives, by trying to live a holy lifestyle that is separated from the things around us and saying some of those things just aren't worth it in my life because they draw me away from him and his presence and what he is speaking in Jesus' name. If we want to connect with this virtuous God, then we must be people who are willing to shut some things down in order to draw close to him. You see, the gospel depends on a God who is not dependent upon us. The scriptures we read every day depends upon a God who is not dependent on people around him or saying, you know what, I should improve this in my life or improve that over there. But I'm thankful that he is a God that is 100% virtuous, a God that has all of it together, a God that knows and understands my physical pain or the thing that I'm going through. So I don't even necessarily have to explain it all to him. He just knows what is there. And a lot of times he understands that the things I'm feeling on the outside are the result of because of my relationship with him on the inside that I need to correct or begin to sure up in so many ways. He can go to depths that none of us can understand. But he is also a self-attesting God, that he is the very criteria for truth and that just as he is for morality. He's self-attesting of himself. You know, it's awesome when we go out there to the community and we begin to speak about God and how great he is. But believe me, it's not because of us that he looks like some great God out there. And it's not because of us that he seems like this incredible, all-working God. But it's because of what he has done in the scripture, the things that he has done around us, the things that he has done in the universe, who he is himself that testifies to how great of a God he is. Just him being God alone testifies of himself, how mighty he is, how powerful he is, how great and incredible this God is. 
So even though it takes us on the Great Commission to go and to speak to people around us, it does not take us to have to prove God to other people who are around us trying to challenge him in Jesus' name. All that we have to do is live our lives and let him live through us, and that will begin to speak to people around us how great and how mighty and how awesome our God is in Jesus' name. When people begin to see that you go through an absolutely terrible situation, but you're still holding strong to the faith that is inside of you, and you're still able to walk through it and step through those things in Jesus' name, not because of who you are, but because he is, that will begin to testify to how great and how awesome he is. When people come into a service like this, and begin to see the lifted hands and begin to feel the powerful presence of God coming into this house that is dwelling among us, they will begin to see that God is great not because of how great we are, but because of how great He is, because of who He is alone in Jesus' name. That's how powerful and awesome our God is. That He doesn't need us to be that great, incredible God, but He wants us to be a part of who He is. He wants us to have a part of that to come into this worship service and see all these people lifting God on high. He wants us to be a part of him in Jesus' name. It's not like the president where you have all these security guards around him and you can't even get it close to him to say hi to him or touch him or that sort of thing. No, our God, even though he's all existent up here, he comes down and says, man, I want to speak to you today. I want to have a conversation today and be in your life today. That's the all-powerful God that we have. And we can rest assured that he will testify of himself inside of our lives as well. That we don't need to see these big things, but he will ultimately, because he is God, we can see him just as that inside of our lives as well if we just desire to reach out and to pray to him in Jesus' name. You see, there's times, and it's iffy that we come and we, we think that, well, I'm the reason that this occurred. The great idea came from me to create these great things that are here. That the great idea happened to speak this message. Or I mean, whatever you can put inside of your life, we, we sometimes become prideful inside of that. And yes, God wants us to be rewarded for certain things inside of our lives. But we have to be careful with that because so often it's not us, but it is Him. We can do terrible things to run away from Him, and that's absolutely not God leading us to do that. But absolutely, if it's good things, if there's things going on that are positive inside of our lives, it's not us that came up with some creative idea to lift our hands and worship him. But that's his idea because that's his way that we draw close unto him. It's not our idea that we lay hands on the sick to see them recovered, but it's his idea that he came up with that and put that inside of us so we could pray and see the sick healed. And in all reality, that begins to take the weight off of our shoulders. Because no longer is it my responsibility if somebody is healed or not healed in Jesus' name. No longer is it my responsibility if something does or doesn't happen. No longer is it my fault that those things happen there. No, we can say, well, God, you know, whatever you want to have happen. If it doesn't happen, then I trust and I know that there's a reason that it did not happen in Jesus' name. And so God does not merely possess the truth, but he knows the truth and he speaks the truth and he is the truth in and of himself. And you can begin to see why scripture says that we must worship him in the spirit and in truth. Because if God is truth, the only way that we're going to connect with that is if we worship him in that same realm that he is in, in Jesus' name, in that same place that is there around us. And so to know the truth, everyone must look to him because he is the very standard of 
truth. We can look to him and his abilities and his ways. And again, I know I keep saying this, but I am so thankful that I don't have to look to a human being to see the standard of truth, but I can look to something that is such a solid stone that it will never be cracked or broken or shut down or moved or whatever it may be that no matter how much Satan throws at God and no matter how much mankind tries to build towers to him and reach him and begin to tear him down and move him about, that no matter how much that happens, my God will be unwavering and always there and always steadfast and always ready to take on battles for me in Jesus' name and always ready to speak the situations that need spoken to in Jesus' name. And I don't have to worry about him not showing up on time because he will always be there right when I need him, right when I'm going to walk into that situation or that place that is there in Jesus' name. And I'm thankful, and no offense, that I am not dependent on you all for that to happen in Jesus' name, but I'm thankful that he is there and he is ready to work in Jesus' name for every one of us. So to know that truth, we must look to him because he is that standard of very truth around us. When we begin to get confused with so many religions and denominations out there, we must look to him because he is that truth. When we begin to get so confused by Facebook and situations and people, the things that they're going through, and we don't understand why so many people are dying from this or that, we must begin to say, you know what? I don't know what is truth around me, but I know one thing that is solid truth in Jesus' name. I don't even know about you all, but on my phone I have this news app, and before I go to bed, sometimes I'll read it just to try to stay current. I think sometimes it's foolish not to stay current on some things going on around the world because God has requested that sometimes. And as leadership, you have to be current on some things in order to lead people in certain directions. It's just a responsibility. However, I have really began to hate reading news because of how fake it has become in so many different ways. In so many different articles, you can't even go on the internet and find real stuff anymore. I mean, you have people that are self-proclaimed prophesiers, I mean, whatever, and, and it's just all sorts of junk that is out there inside of that. And, I mean, it's, so I, it's almost like, well, what's the point of even reading some of this stuff? Because I have no clue if it's real or not in those things that are there. But I know the one that is truth all of in himself, in Jesus' name. And I can rest assured inside of that, that man, no matter how much things around me crumble or seem dishonest and, uh, dishonest and that sort of thing, I got to know him for his truth in Jesus' name. And as time draws closer and closer to, his to, to, to our resurrection and towards the end time of this world and that sort of thing, there's going to be people around us who are going to try to deceive us. The scripture says that they're going to be like wolves in sheep's clothing, that they're going to look like a sheep, but what's going to come from them is going to be that of a wolf. And we must be careful with walking through this world because they will absolutely deceive us or twist truth away from what it truly is. And the only way that we're going to be able to discern that or say that is not right and that is right this is not the path and this is the path is by knowing truth and understanding who God is because he is that stone that will not be wavered inside of that and I have already began to see it inside of our world even inside of my lifestyle walking around of situations where people are saying this is the path you need to go down but there's something that just does not seem right about that path this is the the, the path that gets you a better paycheck this is the path that gets you the, these things here man but there's just something that doesn't seem right about it because my truth is saying that I shouldn't step into that area over here 
And I'm thankful for a God that says, don't step there, but begin to walk down this path. I know that it looks a little iffy, but just trust me, it'll work out. It'll be the better one that begins to move in the end in Jesus' name. It's so true that God will do that. And the only way that we're going to understand it is by knowing truth, understanding truth, memorizing truth, and putting that truth inside of us. And now we can see why God has no need for us, why it's essential that he is not dependent upon us, but he is God of the universe to help us avoid those pitfalls and those things that we could stumble into if we did not have this great big God in Jesus' name and who he is. I want him inside of my life so that I don't stumble into those things in Jesus' name. I could testify over and over again of those pitfalls that God has helped me avoid inside of my life. I truly believe that the greatest testimony, and I'm not saying this to insult anybody in this place, is one of which says, I did not touch that. I did not do that. I was not a part of that. I was not in that particular place, but I avoided it altogether because I knew God and I was willing to step aside it in Jesus' name. That is truly truth in and of itself there together. But sometimes we think that our ideas are better than his. We must know his truth and understand his truth and move in his truth. And the only way that we're going to do that is by coming to services, being in prayer on a daily basis, being in his scripture. And again, I'm just saying that if you have messed up in your life and you've done things that you shouldn't have done, you've repented, God has forgiven you, you can have joy about that, you can praise him for that, you can be thankful in Jesus' name. I'm not saying that isn't a positive testimony in Jesus' name. That's incredible just as much as well in Jesus' name. But let's turn to some scripture here in Isaiah 40 and 14. I know I've been talking a lot, but I want to continue to show this idea to you. Isaiah 40 and 14. And this scripture here is coming from Isaiah, obviously. And verse 14 says this. He says, With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him in knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding. If we back up to verse 12, it says this, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out of heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills on a balance. It's beginning to put this pretty big idea here. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him in knowledge and and showed to him the way of his understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the aisles as a very little thing. This begins to show us how great and mighty the majestic God we serve is. That there is nobody around us that has counseled him and told him how to be God. And man, this is how you're going to start your first day on the job and continue this way and that sort of stuff. No, he is so big and we don't have to understand him. Our minds don't have to be able to wrap themselves around him. We just have to have faith as Christians that he is who he says he is in Jesus' name. And so if we continue here in, in, in this, this, this chapter here, we see in Isaiah 40, in, in verses 19 through 20, some other things that go on here. It says this, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare him to? The workman melteth a graven image, 
And the goldsmith spreadeth it over the gold and casteth it silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of this earth? It is he that sits upon the circle of the earth. And the inhabitants thereof are the grasshoppers that stretcheth out over the heavens as a curtain, and in spreading them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity." Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them. And they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. In this scripture here, I understand there's a lot coming, but let me break it down just a little bit here for you. Isaiah is addressing some people who have decided that they are going to take a tree that they think is not going to rot and is not going to disappear. And they have decided to take this tree and build an idol out of it and build their idols and things that they want to pray to because they think it is more important and that it is greater than the God of all of the universe. That they can build something that they can see and touch and that because it's before them, it will have power and ability inside of their lives. But in all reality, he's kind of laughing at them and saying, you all have taken something that is able to be burnt up or able to perish or something that is not infinite and all-knowing and all-wise. It's something that could disappear. You took stuff from around you and you created a God. Y'all are foolish, is what Isaiah is telling them. This is crazy. But you have to think about the real God that you're meant to be serving, not this one that you have built of something that is temporary or something that you think will satisfy for just a little while. And our world has built plenty of those gods around us of, of addictions and, and various things. We have built them inside of our own lives with money and households and things about us. These things that we think can be something that will sustain us through this life in this world. But in all reality, they're a fallacy to how big and true and real this God is around us because they can disappear in a split second just like that. But as Isaiah is saying here, this God of the universe, he doesn't have a counselor. He doesn't have people around him who are swaying his decisions. He doesn't need to have all this knowledge that you might think that you have inside of your brain, but he has it all. He is God. And as a result, these things that are wishy-washy, you can push them aside and begin to serve the one true God. And the one true God can begin to impact your life and make it the best thing that has ever happened inside of this world. You know, longer have to go home with regret or fears about the things that you have done throughout the day, but you can say, God, I want to be forgiven from these things. Please take them from me. And no longer do you have to lose sleep from these idols that we have built around us. But man, we have this big God that we can lift our hands to and say, God, you don't need me, but I want you, Jesus. I desire you and your spirit. You begin to see why it is so important that God does not have a need for any one of us around us or why we build false altars or platforms of these things it begins to show us why we need to worship him and seek him out in jesus name this gospel depends on a god who is not dependent on us or is not dependent on the things we build or the places we move or the, the, the things there in jesus name 
You know, in all reality, if we had everybody show up on a service that, that is inside of this church, every one of these seats would be filled. There's some Sundays I look across here and I think, man, we are getting close to needing more room yet again in Jesus' name. And I am excited about that. That is powerful. And that, that, that is really, really good. But that is not the thing that, that causes God to be God. That is not the thing that we should get excited about. We should be excited about God coming in here and showing up and being in our midst because it's not what we build around us, but it's what he builds in Jesus' name that is going to last. It's what he has inside of lives around us in Jesus' name. He is not dependent upon what we do or the work or the things that we go into in Jesus' name. So he is not a creature, but he is a creator. I don't have enough time to read this scripture, but you can look in Acts chapter 17 and verse 24 to see that, that he is the, the, the creator. Biblical worship is due to God, not because he needs us, but because we need him. When we lift up our voices, God receives our worship, and we should never think that somehow we give God what he otherwise would lack, as if he needed us to make him complete in who he is. There's 24 elders inside of the scripture here in Revelation that they fall down before the throne of God worshiping and they cast their crowns before him saying this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for your pleasure they are and they were created. They're saying it's all you, God. It's not what we have built around us or the plantations or the plants that we have planted around us. These things, they go on, but it's all you, God, that has done this as a result of, of us living in Jesus' name. And so if God were not life in and of himself, if he were not independent of us, he would not be able to save us, let alone worthy to receive worship and praise. How could we praise something that's one way one day or something else another day or part evil this way or that sort of thing? No, we don't got to worry about that. That's communism, those things that are out there, but we don't have to worry about that. We get to worship a holy God, a God that is completely pure, a God that is completely moral, a God that understands what you're going through right now and wants to put you on that firm foundation as well. He would be weak and pathetic if he was any other way. He would be needy and dependent upon other things. He would need saving just like we do. He would be a God in our world, but not a God distinct from our world. He would be like the things around us, these things that are, are, are there, that people claim are gods, but they truly are not. He would be just like all of that. But that is not the God that we serve. So even though this morning God does not need you, he wants you. He wants to be a part inside of your life, inside of your household, inside of your children's lives, inside of the things that are going on around you. Because he understands that there's going to be pits before you. There's going to be snares and traps around you in this world. And if you don't believe me, then just start living for a few years and you will see that they're all around you and that they're ready to pounce on you for anything that you do wrong at any point in time. Especially if you begin to proclaim that you're a Christian in Jesus' name. But he wants to enrobe us with his Holy Ghost so that we can speak in other tongues. He wants us to go down in his water so we can become brand new in his baptism. He wants these things to happen for us so that we can come out here and sing songs like freedom and say, God, I'm so thankful that I am free and I am delivered and new in who you are. He wants us to be able to exalt him, to sing songs about his love and how it moves mountains and changes things around us so that he can touch us and we can reach out to him and be a part of him. But it's only going to take a big God, a real God, and a live God for that to happen in Jesus' name. 
It's going to take those things for it to happen in Jesus' name. And so this morning, if you want to stand, we serve this God who desires that. He is here today. He is in this place right now. And he wants to touch you in Jesus' name. I'm just going to ask that we reach out to him for just a couple seconds here with no music. I think it's just a little bit significant that we reach out to him and say, God, it's not because of the worship. It's not because of how the music sounds today, God. It's not because of, uh, of the, the preaching. It's not because of these things around God. But right now, Lord, it's all because of you, Jesus, that I want to reach out and desire you in this place. You can begin to lift up your voice just a couple minutes here and say, God, I know you don't need me, but I'm thankful that you are desperate for me, God, that you, you want me inside of your kingdom, God. Lord, I'm thankful that you have that for me, Lord. Yes, God, I know there's stairs around me, but I'm thankful, God, that you have helped me avoid those. God, I know there's things that have tried to take me down, Lord, but I'm thankful that you have pushed me around those, God, that you have helped me through those situations, God. Lord, I know that even though there's times that I've messed up, I'm thankful, God, that the future can be different, Lord, that the future is something new inside of you, God. I'm thankful that you're bringing all of you, God. You're on the presence around me today, God. Lord, I'm thankful for that in my life, God. Lord, that's what I desire. That's what I want, Lord. I want you as well, Lord. Not just something that sits on my shelf or the back burner of my stove, God, that I reach out to only when I need you. But God, right now, Lord, all the time, Lord, I want to make that commitment. This morning, you can make that commitment. Begin to open your voice up. Begin to say, God, that is a commitment I want to make this morning. All of you, Jesus, every day. Lord, I know it's a big step. God, it's somewhat intimidating inside of my heart, God. But Lord, I want to be a part of that, Lord Jesus. I want to be a part of you, God. Help me to push myself, my flesh, the things that I have done aside, God, and seek you out in Jesus' name. Just for a few more seconds, come on. Just cry out and speak to him. Let him know how desperate you are. Show him right now that what he has done is not in vain, but it's all. Oh, Jesus, we want you, God. Lord, we need you, God. Oh, yes, Jesus. Lord, we're desperate for you, God. Oh, Lord, not just right now, but when we leave, God, when we go home to our households and our workplaces, God, we're desperate to see those around us reach, God, those who don't know you but have a need for you, God. Lord, let them be spoken to by your word, spoken to through us, Jesus, in your ways. Forgive us, God, if we've had any pride that says it's because of us, God, that these things have occurred, Lord. But push that aside, God. Help us to remove that. Forgive us, God, for those things because it's all you. It's all your name, Jesus. It's all who you are this morning, God, that anything has occurred, Lord. Lord, we're so thankful, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done, God. Thank you, Jesus, for being the mighty God who is here today, Jesus. Oh, Lord God. Oh, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.
It's a final note this morning. Just lay your hands on the person next to you one more time. And let's just pray for one another here briefly this morning. Jesus, again, we just thank you for our brothers and sisters, God. We thank you for what you are doing inside of their hearts, Lord. I pray that you would bind us together as a church, Lord. That you would unify us just like in the book of Acts, God. To be a powerful force before you, God. With your spirit leading us, taking us to new heights, God. Lord, I know that you will lead these all, God. That we can separate ourselves from what's around us. to See that revival that you have on the horizon, God. I pray that you would bless these people this week, God. Bless them as they go home. Lord, help them to be safe tonight in the storm, God. Is what is going on around us. And Lord, I know that you can do these things, God. And Lord, that in your name, in your power, it is here to work. In Jesus' name, we are so thankful, God, for what you have done here this morning. So thankful, God. We are so thankful. In Jesus' name. Can we praise him one last time this morning? And thank